Hey guys, Joe Miles here with ICO Gear. This is the Mission Whitetail Podcast. We're going to be doing a deep dive into what it truly takes to kill these mature bucks. We're going to step outside the box and look at the why for gear, tactics, training, and more importantly, the mindset from over 35 years of chasing these magnificent animals all over North America. Thank you for following along and welcome to Mission Whitetail. All right, guys, welcome back. Episode 28 of the Mission Whitetail Show, and we have got a super cool guest this week, guys. Uh, Paul Priest from Knoxville, Tennessee. Is that right, Paul? Tennessee, yes. It's not Knoxville, Kentucky. We were just in Kentucky. Uh, That's right. And I, I had to drive all the way back today, uh, so my, my brain is a little scattered. But um, Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so a little background here, Paul is, uh, he, he is a bow hunter by nature. Uh, I'm gonna let him introduce himself, but just a little backstory here. Paul was on the show outlast on Netflix. So guys, if you get a chance, check out that show, it's outlast. It was a Netflix series and Paul actually won that show. He and his team. So we are super fortunate to have him. This is a little bit, you know, outside the box of what mission whitetail does, but, as always, we're going to try to bring some value from a bow hunting perspective, as well as uh, some survivalist stuff and, and kind of hear Paul's story, which is fascinating. I got to spend three days with Paul last week. He and Bobby Worthington came out to uh, Kentucky, to some properties I have access to hunt out there, and we got to you know spend a lot of good quality time together. And uh, just fascinating, Bobby and and, and Paul, the, the same is just a, a a pretty neat deal. So, Paul, if you don't mind, tell us a little bit about your backstory and and, and what you do and, and and that sort of stuff. Yeah, uh, first off, thanks for having me on. It was uh, it was it was I was so excited about last week, Bobby and I coming down, and like you said, we had a really good time, and and it was just a highlight of the week for sure, uh, getting to come back and then. And then, uh, just, I've been looking forward to this all week. also get into this, but, but anyways, I'm, you know, uh, I, I think where you got the Knoxville, Kentucky is I, I'm originally from Eastern Kentucky, um, you know, born and raised and, and I've lived in Knoxville for the last five years, <clears throat> but, um, yeah, uh, my background's always been mining, right? If you're from West Virginia or Kentucky or, you know, uh, um, normally that's what you do straight out of high school. So I've been a a coal miner all my life and, and, uh, recently retired about a month ago and I have no idea what to do with myself now. Uh, <laughs> but we're going to fill that up here. We're going to fill that up with some bow hunting this year. So I'm pretty excited about it. Um, but yeah, uh, I got lucky last year, year four last rather, and then applied for, you know, a survival show. I've always been a huge survival fan. Um, I, the show alone, I don't know if you've ever seen that, oh, yeah. um, you know, the, uh, you know, I'm just, I, I eat and breathe that. And so I, I got online and, and um, was looking around, how do I get on that show? And, and I seen they were taking, um, you know, looking for contestants for a new deal, a new type of survival show in Alaska. So I applied for it and, and honestly didn't expect to hear anything back. Um, about a month later, I, I get an email back and they're like, yeah, give us a 10 minute bio video, if you will. And I'm like, oh, great. How, how am I going to make myself look more hillbillyish in Knoxville, Tennessee? <laughs> <laughs> so because you know you got to sell that right i've got to fit that demographic so uh literally i took my side by side outside I, I took the you know the uh the mod wheels off and put the half factory half mod pushed it back up in the tree line and just and, and hicked it up the best i could 
Um, but yeah, I sent that in, and again, a month went by, nothing. I get a, an email, and they're wanting to do a background check. And so <clears throat> you give all your personal information, and as soon as I hit send, I had this crazy feeling come over me that my bank account was about to go to zero. <laughs> you know, I'm like, <laughs> oh, this is this is such a scam. And uh, and then you know, we, we, and sure enough, a few more emails. Uh, then we have a few a few meetings. And it goes from 2,000 people to 200 people to 20 people to 16. And next thing I know, I'm waking up in Alaska and on this, you know, 42-day journey uh, that, man, if, you, if you've watched the show, it's, uh, it, it, it was a wild ride for sure. And, and I was blessed uh, with, a, you know, to walk away uh, winning that with, you know, with a really good team. So I, I've been lucky and blessed, Joe, for sure. That's awesome, man. Well, <clears throat> I mean, what do you think – you know, the, these extreme situations, you know, it, it's we, we've had the opportunity, Kevin and I, to to talk with some people that are, you know, kind of best at their craft, if you will, mm-hmm. whitetail space. You know, obviously, Bobby Worthington being one of those. We've talked with yeah. some SEAL Team 6 guys, and it, it seems like most of the guys that we talk with that are at the top of their craft are really th- – th- their mindset is – is switched on. Mm-hmm. They have yeah. they have this no quit. I can do it no matter what's thrown at me. Mindset. What what, what mm-hmm. do you what are you, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I don't think, and I may be wrong, but I, I don't think that's something you can be taught. You know, I think it's either in your or it isn't. Uh, maybe you know, maybe like if you get into the SEAL team type stuff, maybe that stuff if they can put in you uh, but some of, some of that has to be there um for myself you're you're born into it you know um being born in eastern kentucky i've, I've touched on this through a couple of interviews that uh you know was, i was homeless uh it was a single parent situation we were homeless for most of my grade school years until entering into high school so we've seen rough times and and you you know it which everyone was poor in that area right so we were the poor of the poor but you just really didn't know it and Tough times create tough people, and in you know, Appalachia area, it, it does that. And, and I think you've got there's people all over you know the world that are just in tough situations, and they just have that non non that that mindset that they're just not going to quit. You know, they've got a goal ahead of them, and they're going to achieve that. And there's there's no other option. Um, so I, I think when you're you know you have that, you you take that into any task that you take on, uh, you're going to fail over and over, but you won't quit. So you're eventually going to get there. You accept failure. Uh, and you learn from that and you just keep moving on. And, and again, I, th- I think it's just something that you're blessed to be born with. You know, and, you know and originally you, it looks like a hardship, you know, um, but as you get older and, 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 you, and you grow into yourself, you realize that you've just been, been made that way. It has to be in you, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, when you did the podcast while we were in Kentucky, you, you mentioned that they gave you two flares, and the first thing, you know, that your signal flares if you wanted to surrender, I guess, or get picked <laughs> up, and you, you said the yeah. first thing you did was shoot those or, or throw them away, throw them in the river or the lake or whatever. Yeah, they, they give you a, a – because we're the area that we're in in southeast Alaska has more brown bear per square mile than anywhere in the world. So they, they give you a flare gun and they give you bear spray. So – all bear spray is going to do is just really make the bear mad. So I got rid of that. <laughs> and, and then the flare gun is like, okay, when you want to leave, you shoot this off. In two and a half hours, somebody will come and pick you up. They'll bring a boat in, they'll fly in, whatever, and they'll get you out of here. So I immediately walked to the river and, and I tossed that in. You, you know, I, I knew the moment that I signed the contract, I was coming home one of two ways, you know, on a gurney or a winter. 
Um, and I didn't want that to be in the back of my mind that I had to easy out. If you ever think about that easy out, you, you go ahead, leave <laughs> because you know you, you've already put you planted that seed of doubt in your mind. So I didn't want that to be you know uh, something a crutch for me to carry around. So I I, and I just stood in the river day one. Yeah, that's that, that's pretty. Yeah, that's pretty, pretty badass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so how how would you? I mean, you know, we you and I talked a lot obviously last week mm-hmm. about about deer hunting and, and, you know, you've kind of, you've, I mean, looking behind you right here, guys that are listening that, that aren't on YouTube watching this right now, Paul's got a couple hammer bucks mm-hmm. sitting right behind him. Um, that I, if I'm not mistaken, Paul, those are public land deer. Um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Both public land, one, one Eastern Kentucky and one Eastern Tennessee. So neither of these public land places are known for big deer. So I've, I've been pretty blessed there for sure. Yes. Yes. So, where where I was kind of spinning with that is you you've you've got a quest now to go after these upper scoring deer these 180 plus type deer and I am 100% convinced in the next one to two to three years you're going to have a couple of those in the bag because you're going to take that same mindset you know you you've taken with this other stuff H- how do you think that that no quit no surrender I mean m- maybe it's really simple maybe I'm asking a dumb question here but. But how do you equate that ability to go sit in the, you know, the Alaskan wilderness and, and not surrender, not quit, and, and and transfer that over to guys that are, you know, they're planning on going to to Kansas. You know, we, we you and me and Bobby were talking about Kansas, and you know, Bobby's big thing is is finding your rut funnel and then sitting daylight to dark if the weather's right for for sometimes 10, 15 days in a row, whatever it takes. Can, can you equate that to, to hunting? <clears throat> yeah, sure. I, I had I, I talked to a guy in Ohio a few years ago, and, and I was doing all day sit, and and uh, it, it, it he mentioned hey, that's Ironman hunting, and, and it sort of is. You know, it it's so easy um, to say I'm going to go do it, but then to finish it out, you know, when you run out of nutty buddies, and, and you know, <laughs> you're not seeing any deer moving. It's and you know the truck's an hour away, and then there's food there. It's so easy to get down and go home. Um, but then when you get back to the house and you see those, you know, one thirties on the wall, <laughs> you, you know, that's it. so if you want that, I, I think if you want that next level, you know, you got to go above and beyond, um, what the normal guy's doing, right. You got to push in past that mile. Sometimes you gotta, you know, you gotta spend, you know, the time in the stand and it's not easy, you know, when you're, you're lugging equipment in every day and, and in and out and you're, and you're putting them hard miles on the boots when you're doing the scouting and then, you know, then you're setting all day long. And then you're, you know, you're for me, like you mentioned, I'm after that 180 now. <clears throat> That's a quest that I've started. I'm, and it's not going to be easy, and I know that, but I'm I'm ready to take that on. The hardest thing is going to be is when you've got that 160 walking in, uh, you know, and you sit all day long. That's your easy out, right? And, and it's an acceptable out. Who's going to say, you know, well, you shot a 160 with a bow and it would be a bad thing? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. That's like shooting that flare. I can understand why you shot it because you're cold and you're hungry and you'd already lost 40 pounds. Um, but you just gotta, you just gotta be in that mindset. You've got to have, you know, uh, a target buck and, um, and go for that and, and take nothing less than that. It's, it's either, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm either going home on a gurney or I'm going home a winner. Well, I'm either going to take that 180 or I'm going to eat tag that year, you know, and that's just the mindset you got to have set a goal and, and, and nothing less but achieve it. And you're going to fail. I'm like, I'm not going to go out there and do that the first time in the stand. I mean, the odds are really low. I'm going to continue to fail continue to learn, continue to push through, and then I'm going to put that 180 on the wall. Yeah, I don't think there's any there's any doubt about that. 
Uh, it, it, it just, you know, we, we get this question all the time being from South Carolina and, and you being from where you live in, in Kentucky, uh, in Tennessee. And, you know, when you from being from Kentucky, the, there's not, I mean, arguably South Carolina, the chances of you shooting a 180 here are about zero. I mean, there've been a few killed, but the, 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 you know, we, we talk about stacking the odds and we get asked all the time, okay, well, what, what, what's your, what's your process? You know, how are you going to go find a 180? You know, how are you going to go find a 200? How, what, what are you going to do? We get asked that over and over and over again. Do you have, I know you, you've kind of just put this together, but do you kind of have <clears> something mapped out in your head of, of how you're going to attack this? I do, and it's and it's pretty elementary for now, and I'll build on that as I go because look, it's it's new for me. If if you say, hey, can you put me on a 140 butt? I can put you on a 140 butt. You know that's here. Um, I can't kill a 180 like you know, like you mentioned. I'm I'm not going to kill 180 here. The odds are very low. Um, I think I even I talked to you a little bit, you know, about hey, how do you start this thing? And you gave me a you know a few pointers and and yeah, I've got a general direction. You know, first we got to find the air. We got to locate the area, so I've got them, and and now we put the hard miles in. You know, we we've got to get to that area, and then we've got to, you know, we got to find the farmer that's going to let us hunt. We got to find a lease that we can get on, and and then even then you're not guaranteed, right? Now you've got to put your cameras up, and you've got to see what's in the area. You've got to see what's going on in the farms next to you. Like, there's so much homework that I'm just now starting. Like, it's you know, I'm I'm probably I'm not probably I am late. I'm months behind on the homework that I need to complete. To just get in the area where there's a possibility for 180 without even knowing it's there. So this is not going to be easy, and I, and I do understand that. And 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 Paul, are you gonna? You think you're going to document this because I, I think that would be super cool yeah. and something we can we can follow along with. Um, you know, because I, I think our there's so many people that are in mine, your, and Kevin's boat that are that are, that live in areas that don't produce these world I call them world class. I mean, you, you know, the, mm. with headgear. Um, you know, we, we get some old bucks here in South Carolina, but, but man, we would, if you're going to kind of post this journey as you go, we, we want to direct guys and, and obviously, you know, you and I will be staying in contact, but maybe we do some kind of, and I'm blue skying in the middle of a <laughs> podcast, but may, maybe we do some kind of a monthly, um, you know, update on, on how your quest is going. I think that would be really cool. And I know guys would love but because you are starting from from scratch, yes, sir. Yeah, one hundred percent. I plan on documenting everything, and I'm and I'm new to to social media and, and, and new to the podcast world and the filming. So it's look, it's going to be a steep learning curve. But I'm going to document everything, and and it's going to be. I know it's going to be a long journey. I mean, every every step of the way, I want to document it so I can go back and and see what I've done that worked, and 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 see what I've done that was mistakes, and then hopefully maybe we can use this later for someone who starts this journey on there to save them some time, right. To give them a little bit of a shortcut and then, and hopefully I'm going to be able to lean on a few people for those things as well. But 100%. Yeah. I plan on documenting. No, that's awesome. So yeah, we'll, we'll mm -hmm. definitely plan on plan on doing that is, is, is following along and interacting. But I, I will say you, you are, you are a smart cookie because I, I don't know if you call him a mentor or, or, or what, but you know, you, Bobby uh, speaks. That, that's how I met you was through Bobby mm -hmm. Worthington, and and you came down with him. and And I, I know you've had the opportunity to go on several of his consulting visits. Yeah. Um, what, I mean, ha, tell us a little bit about how that relation, relationship started. 
Yeah, you you know, Bobby's a great guy. He's Bobby's my best friend in this whole wide world, and and it started. The sh- you know, the show has done so much for me. Um, like I'm, I keep saying I'm blessed, and I really am. Like it's, <clears throat> I keep waiting. You know, someone's gonna wake me up in a minute. Like <laughs> I've always dreamed of of going to the direction that I'm headed, and and it's and for this show. You know, I thought, well, we didn't have a whole lot of rules to it, and, and I'd watched alone, and um, I've done some traditional shooting, but not not enough to. You know, I would never hunt with it. So I'm like, oh man, this this could you know this could make or break me not knowing how to do this. And I've, I've been a bow hunter all my life. Uh, I think I killed my first 20, 22 deer with a bow before. I, and I've only killed one or two with a gun. Um, and but anyways, <clears throat> so I'm at a bow shop and I and I go in and I and uh, I buy this long bow. And uh, the guys help me the best they can. I go out back and I and I get humbled real quick. <laughs> we know that. Pain. <laughs> yeah, we know that. Pain. <laughs> Yeah, real quick, and I come back in. And I'm just dejected, and they can tell. And there's a, there's a guy standing there, well dressed man, older gentleman, and he said, "Hey, I, I know a guy might be able to help you. Here's his number. Here's his name. Give him a call. He, he's a nice enough fellow." Well, I, I give Bobby a call. I don't. I have no idea who Bobby is. I don't know anything about him. Don't know any of his accolades. I didn't. I didn't Google him. I just thought he was a guy decent shooting bow, maybe. He said, "Yeah, I come over." So I drove over to uh, Pikeville, Tennessee. And uh, we, we met, there's a, there's a place there called a lab. It's a fabulous place, by the way. They've got an indoor archery range. <clears throat> it's a rehab, weight, boxing. I mean, this is, this is in the middle of, Pikeville, Tennessee is only like maybe, maybe 1,500 people at most. And this thing should be set in the middle of Knoxville. It's that great. So <clears throat> we, we go in there and I've got, I had practiced a week before I got to Bobby. So we get up about 15 feet from that thing and, and I put three arrows. I mean, I'm knocking it. Tink, tink, tink. They're t- one hand pulled out, you know, it's that close. And I turn and look at him and he's scratching his face. I'm like, I've, I've impressed this old fella right here, you know. And, and he said, he just looks and he said, I've never seen so much wrong with one person in my whole life. <laughs> and, and, and I'm just kind of looking at him and I look back at them arrows and he said, oh, it don't matter where those arrows hit, your form is trash. He said, let's go get something to eat. We're going to be here all day. Hey, that man kept me there for <laughs> he kept me there for three hours shooting that bow. And uh, when we left, you know, I still it, it, we went to his truck and he took his hat off. You know, he he has that hat you always know him by. He said, "Paul, he said it was nice meeting you, but I'm going to go home and shoot. Just make sure I'm not dumber for watching you today." <laughs> so we, you know, I just liked him from go, man. He didn't he didn't cut no corners with it and. And uh, it, it turned out that that would be the only chance that I would get to shoot with Bobby before the show. He, he caught COVID after him and I caught it after him and we just never got back together. But I was able to pick enough up in that, you know, three hours, three, three and a half hours uh, training that when I went on the show and they, and they don't show it. Uh, I actually shot a few animals on the show, a few smaller animals and some squirrels and, and, and came really close. I mean, I missed a deer. I mean, it was on the last couple of days of the show and I had nothing to go on. Um, but, but anyways, um, when I came back and, and started finding out who Bobby was, it was too late. You know, it, we were already buddies and it didn't make a difference. So it still surprises me today when people are like, Oh my God, you know, Bobby, we're friends. And I'm like, uh, yeah, we're building a cabin on his place right now. And, and it's, uh, it, it just blows my mind. And I'm so glad that I didn't know who he was before I knew who he was. If that makes sense to you. No, it makes yeah. perfect sense. And, and, mm-hmm. you know, he is super, super humble. Um, seven-time world, not national, seven-time world yeah. champion, uh, yeah. and his his woodsmanship, uh, and and seeing how how the dots connect, you know, just it's 
you know, Kevin, you and I and, and, and Paul, we spend a ton of time in the, in the woods and, and Bobby's, you know, he, he's, an, he's older, but, but his attention to detail is, is second to none. And, you know, oh, yeah. I, I got to spend two days, you know, two full days there and evening, you know, dinner and talking and then two full days in the woods. But I mean, you, you getting to go with him on multiple consulting visits. I mean, it has to increase your, I don't want to say, uh, knowledge of, of what oh. you're looking for. And it just, it, it's, it, it, you're talking about cheat code or being able to speed up a learning curve. I tell you what it's done. It's the same thing when I went to him and I shot that bow and I put those three arrows right on top of each other. And I thought I was, you know, impressing him. I felt the same way, you know, going into Bobby and I'm like, Hey, everywhere that I hunt, I'm able to kill the biggest deer in that property. And now, you know, I'm, it's the same thing. I am not what I thought I was just by what I pick up on with Bobby. Um, every time I'm, I'm always learning something new from him and, and I'm one that questions everything. I know I get on his nerves sometimes, but that's how I learn. Right. And, and he'll smack my hands like I'm a little kid and I appreciate that. <laughs> cause that's honesty. Uh, but yeah, it, it is, you know, I, it's it's a it's a huge advantage it's it and like you said it's a cheat code like i'm getting just years and years and years of knowledge um and i and i get and i'm seeing this you know i'm with him every single week and and it's it just you can't help but absorb it by being around him so i'm i'm <laughs> i keep i don't want to overstate it but again man i'm just my life right now is just really blessed yeah that's all awesome. the people that's that's in it mm-hmm that's that's awesome. I, I'm jumping around all over the place, but while you were that's talking, okay. I was I was listening. You you talked about being able to take the recurve on the bow. Did did everybody take bows, or was it just you? Yeah. So yeah, you didn't. No one took a bow. On, on originally, when you have a uh, a drop, there's 16 people standing in a circle, and um, there's originally 20 people that goes, and we were there for two weeks before the show starts. So you didn't even know if she's on the show the two weeks you were there in a the hotel. There was, you know, four alternates. So it was, you were just, yeah. And you didn't, but anyways, there's 16 people standing there. And the helicopter comes, it drops this huge bag. And um, in that bag is one, one supply bag for each team. And there was a bow in that supply bag. So you had to pick out, okay, who's the hunter of your group? And, uh, you know, I, I, not only did I fit the demographic of the, the, the old Southerner, but uh, I was also old enough that I was grandfathered in and didn't have to pass the bow shooting course. Like a lot of people <laughs> failed that and, and wasn't allowed to use that bow. So, really? Yeah, got that bow so, you had, so you had to actually show you were competent with it? Oh, yeah. The uh, state of Alaska, you have to actually, of course, shoot the hunter safety course, but then you have to go shoot, much like you if you took a concealed carry uh, here in Tennessee or wherever and you have to shoot to show you you're capable of shooting that. Um, in Alaska, you have to actually go and shoot a bow course uh, and qualify to get your your bow hunter safety card to to use a recurve to hunt with. Um, oh, and I, yeah, I, I think there was only one person that that passed that. I, I didn't take it because of age, and then I, I already had the, the that card. But only one person passed that, and he brought his compound. Everyone else used the recurve supplied, and no one could shoot it. So yeah, it was tough. And you did, get, you know, I guess a couple squirrels or. What all? I mean, that had to be huge protein. You know, the, your team had to be fired up about that. <laughs> yeah, well, they were. I mean, we we went a few weeks without getting anything. There was no fish. There was no real food. And uh, <clears throat> there was one of the animals that we took was a. Uh, uh, I keep calling them marmot. I'm not sure what the name of it is, but uh, it, Jordan and I were were down the river, and this thing comes out, and 
we chase it down and I pull just, it's a shot that <laughs> I wish Bobby would have seen. We were, I was running at this thing and I stopped and I'm literally sliding on my feet, full draw. And I hit this thing on the run nice. and we roll it up and yeah. And, and we get it back and we're, we're cooking this thing up and they have, <clears throat> they have a bear guard because at, at night everyone leaves and it's just you and, and the bears. Right. And so they leave a bear guard and he's, he kind of stays within, he's close enough that he can shoot the bear off of you if he needs to. But he couldn't, he's a local, so he could not believe we were eating this thing. So he, he was so disgusted by it. But, but yeah, we, we had that. And then um, I shot a squirrel with a bow. And um, so we, we shot that squirrel that evening or that morning. And we don't want to waste a lot of the energy. So we just burn, we would, our team would just burn fire the last hour of night and has to put our gloves up, heat rocks, put in our sleeping bag. Um, and then jump in our sleeping bags because we got sleeping bags later on in the show. So we said, well, I shot it that morning and hung it up. We, we skinned it out and hung it up. We'll say, well, tonight we start the fire, we'll eat it. Um, so we hung that thing up and came back. And the same type of animal that I shot with my bow early on had came and took it and went running down the trail with it. So we oh, never got to that squirrel No. <laughs> yeah. So we lost it. Uh, and then we had a grizzly bear coming, or not a grizzly, but a brown bear coming and take one squirrel out of the trap. So we, I mean, it was rough, man. It was rough. All right. So this is gonna, this is where we're gonna kind of pivot away from, I guess, hunting, if you will, and get into um, some survivalist stuff. You know, yeah, we, sure. Mission Whitetail is obviously the name of the podcast. So th this is absolutely stepping away from from Whitetail, but I, I think this is important. And I'm not exactly a huge con conspiracy theorist or, or some prepper or anything like that, but I think they're, mm -hmm. they're man skills that, that we really need to know, mm -hmm. <clears throat> especially yeah. in today's time. We're so dependent on a, a electricity and electronics that if something was to happen, um, you know, and it, it, we got knocked back, you know, 100 years um, you know, I, I think shelter would be pretty readily available for folks, but, but I think <clears throat> without some power, man, for, for an extended period of time, there are some skills that, that, you know, guys need to know. I mean, you, you think about, yeah. you know, shelter, food, water, and, and heat, right? I mean, th <clears throat> to me, those are the, 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 the four most simple things, water, food, heat, and shelter. Um, well, I mean, what would you say to that? Yeah, you're right on it. You know, you need you need clean water, shelter, uh, and fire right off. You know, um, and, and there's so many levels of that on how deep we go into this, and and we'll just stay basic. We'll, we'll yeah, just yeah, stay very work. basic. Yeah, very basic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll just stay basic. So, so obviously, again, we'll go back to water. You've got to have water first. So, we got to find clean water, and if you can't find clean water, you've got to be able to purify the water you have. And there's several ways of doing this. You know, you can do this through Sand, sand filters uh you can build catch basins to catch clean water um so so those are some of the types of things you would do shelter you want a good shelter to keep you out of the, what about you know, i'm gonna interrupt you i'm gonna interrupt you sorry yeah, yeah. what about boiling water yeah so we, we want to get fire right we need that fire and then you can you can boil the water also um but we gotta get that fire first i mean what we don't know what level we're at you know we, yep. we can make bow drills you know if you've got flint then that's even better right um in again it's according to what level we're at you know i think everyone needs to know how to make a, a bow drill and, and what type of wood to, to do that and, and practice that you know it's not easy to do even, even someone that's done it a lot it, it it's a pretty hard thing to do so i think these are things that a, a guy can go out and and spend the weekend picking up and, and learning and and he needs to and not only that he needs to teach his kids also 
um, you know, and, and what to look for and how to identify um, certain areas of safety and certain areas, how you, how you find water and, and then, and how you find the food. And like all of this is there's so, it, we can go so deep into this and there's a lot of uh, medicinal plants that you need to know about, you know, all of edible plants that you need to know about and to not to deal with and how to set traps. Like we could talk about this for, for days, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, I, I think, you know, when we were down at, at Cadiz this weekend, we look at a, I think I may have showed you a few different things like the, uh, you know, the, the turkey toe or chicken toe that, we, that I showed you. Um, and then we had the blood root that was used for, you know, bug bites or things of that nature. And they use it for dyes and, and other things. Um, May apple or so many edibles. If you just look around the forest floor, for, and, I, and I'm not a professional at it, but I'm professional from where I live. Yeah. Um, you, you know, I could, in Appalachia, I'd have no trouble surviving. So, so yeah, that's, it's, it's to me, and that's what made me, think about uh, what you were showing me up there when we were scouting for deer, the, the different things. I was like, you know what, man, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty ignorant when it, when it comes to this, I, I really need to up my game almost to the point that I need to go do a survival course or something because I, you know, like I've got a plan and my son and wife, we, we all know exactly what we're going to do. If, 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 if the zombie apocalypse comes, um, we know right, right where we're going and we're going to have shelter. We're going to have a river, um, you know, mm. those two things. And, and then, you know, we'll, we'll have the ability to start fires. Um, but, but, you know, like I think about if we had to live in, in this area, it's the Congaree River Basin, the yellow flies <laughs> and the mosquitoes are so bad. I mean, yeah. really from, from March to December, they're – they're world-class bad. I mean, like they're famous. They're so bad in this area. So what naturally, I mean, and I'm not asking, I'm just kind of blue sky in here is, is what, you yeah, know, what, you know, do you cake yourself in mud? I mean, what, what, do you, <laughs> what, do you, what are we going to do? I mean, you know, so, so that's from, from a selfish standpoint, that's something that I've got to figure out. And then also, um, you know, meat, you, you know, we, we've, obviously there's a ton of hogs down there. There's a ton of deer down yeah. there. There's ducks, there's catfish, but you know, you, you, it would be on a thing where you, in the summers, you, you killed it and you ate it within like two days. But you know, something we talked about off air and maybe you can walk us through this because from mm -hmm. my own personal knowledge, how would you go about, you know, you, you, you kill a hog and you got to smoke that yeah. meat or whatever and, and, and keep it for an extended period of time. What, what is a, a process there that you would use? Yeah. It, again, we're, we're back into levels of it. You know, if you're, if you're prepping for this, you would, you know, salt cure the hog and, and that would keep for <laughs> forever. Um, but if it's, if it's a situation where that we're so far into this and we're just barely hanging on, uh, you would, you know, build a smoke teepee or a smoker, and then you would cut that into strips and you would smoke it or you make jerky out of it. Um, you know, that's what I would do with my deer meat, my fish, my, my hog, um, you know, to where it got colder, where it would, where I could put it outside and freeze. But if it's early on, I, I would smoke about everything. Um, you know, and even fire, the reason the fire is so important, uh, you know, after you find the water and, and then the food, that fire is, is life, right? It's your heat source. It's, you know, uh, you can use it to smoke away the mats and the mosquitoes that you're talking about. You can, you can make, uh, smoke nets, all that, um, smoking your food pr to preserve it. Uh, it's just, you know, it's a life skill that you need to know how to make fire if you don't have a flint or a lighter, if it comes down to it. What, so, so smoke teepee, and I guess guys can Google this or whatever, but 
you know, you, you've got your strips of meat and you, you build your, you know, it's, it's basically just stick over stick over stick till it turns into like a teepee. And then you have a fire, I guess, in the bottom and you hang the meat on it. Am I describing this correctly? Yeah, it doesn't have to be a teepee. I I mean, just a smoke box for, for anything you could, you know, you just, you can put four sticks in the ground, uh, tie your shelves in it with other sticks, um, take some type of a spruce bough, line the sides with it, um, build you a fire in the bottom. And then when you get that, you know, then you place your meat in thin strips across the sticks that you have across the top of it. And then that smoke, the heat and the smoke inside just smokes and preserves your meat. Um, how long, you know, you, you can, how long do you do that for? Yeah, it's according, it's according to what you're smoking and how thick, you know, thick it is like in Alaska. Um, I think when I, we had the salmon and the trout, I think I laid there like 12 hours. Uh, I laid keeping that, but the, it's punk wood, right? So it doesn't put off a lot of smoke nor heat. So we're constantly feeding this thing. Um, but you know, eight to 10, 12 hours you know, to smoke, uh, to smoke your meat. And, and it's quite how big your smoker is. It's probably not going to be very big. So, um, you know, if you've got a whole hog laying there, then it, you can't get it all in one little smoker. Then you're, you're going to be there for a day or so getting that smoked up. And how long will it last once you do that? Yeah. I mean, if you do it like jerky, that's, that'll last for months, you know, it and, will. and of course, if you can, yeah, if you salt cure it, it'll last even longer than that. But then you got to have access to salt, so that's a that, that, that that's right. So if we're back in the early prepping stages, we'd have that right. But if we're if we're into the end of it and everybody's looting and just trying to find what they can find, then we're probably going to be smoking it, yeah, for sure. Kevin, I think we need to go to Knoxville if this happens. And he hook up with, uh, <laughs> my three French dogs on a sled, yeah, and have I was going to uh, say how are we going to get there <laughs> and just hang out with Paul. <laughs> uh, we, we, we've got a plan guys we've got a plan come on down <laughs> yeah for sure uh, Paul were there any um uh like crazy situations or anything uh that was hectic that went on kind of off camera that was interesting on for the show while you're out there man every day was like that you know they had, <laughs> they had they had 7,000 hours of film and they had to put it in seven hours. And it was such a crazy time that they, I mean, how do you tell, you know, the story that went on there in, in, you know, in, in seven hours of footage and it's impossible to do. Um, and unfortunately, I mean, if you've watched much of the show, it, we knew it was a social experiment, right. And, and the survival aspect kind of gets, gets pushed uh, to the back burner because it, it was so much drama and drama sells and, and um the story that got told needed to be told and it was crazy but this was this was everyday stuff the things that you didn't see that i wish that you would have seen was the bow hunting the hunting trips that i would take you know the hours and hours that i spent trying to learn how to hunt black tail deer I, I was trying to use white tail tactics you know in black tail country and it and it didn't work um you know here you know you I, i'll pattern a deer or i'll find funnels and i'll set up on that uh, there it was so much different. You're hunting musk eggs and, and river bottoms. Um, and it's, there's trails there. Those trails have been there for hundreds of years. You can sit on that trail for a month and not see anything. Um, and it's, it's open and flat. Um, I was there during the rut and I, and no one was telling you anything. And I wish I'd done more research on, on that. Trying to learn how to call a black tailed deer in with a, a, a grass blade, what you know that. <laughs> that's an art within itself. And these guys, you know, the locals do it on the daily. So, um, there's a lot of bushcraft that didn't get, you know, show like the smokehouse that, that we made, um, you know, the mushrooms that we were finding, um, 
you know, the edibles that we were finding uh, along the shores and the mussels, they're just all of that kind of got pushed to the back because the show was so dramatic, you know. So, yeah, they, they could literally take the footage and make just a survival show out of it with the same footage they had, and it would be a totally different show and, and, and still be super successful. So there was so much went on. Yeah, that's, what, yeah that. that, that's going to actually teach people some knowledge versus just entertain with drama, but we all know what sells. So, so, so that, Unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. So were there some other dudes on there that were pretty switched on that were survivalist type guys that knew their craft? So, so yeah, you know, it was a pretty diverse cast. You know, we, we had people from all walks of, you know, life and all backgrounds on there, but we had, you know, we had uh, some, a, a gal from Kentucky that is a, uh, you know, she's a, a champion compound shooter. Uh, from what I understand, she's, you know, um, <clears throat> she's uh, a, Jill, I mean, she was on Alpha Team, and there's a lot of drama re <clears throat> revolved around her. But she knew her game, you know. I, I think for the most part, there were there were very few people who didn't. There was several, uh, but those it it showed up really quick. Who knew and who didn't know, right? Oh yeah. Um, and then you had different different levels of it. You know, Javier um, on the show, he wasn't a hunter, he wasn't a fisher. Um, but he was a, a, a natural survivalist. So he, you know, he knew, he knew enough to stay alive and, and probably more than us, probably more than he's the guy that can come out and tell you the Latin name of these, these foods, right? These edibles. <clears throat> and, and then also, uh, the nickname for him, he is that guy. Um, but again, he had deer come in his camp every day and there's nothing he can do about it because he's not a hunter and did not shoot a bow. So everyone had different levels, uh, out there. And, and I think that's what they wanted. You know, they wanted, some people carrying other people and everyone's skills to, to mix match and, and, and butt heads. And they got exactly what they wanted. How, what was the fastest somebody was out of there? Day two. Day two. <laughs> Day two. Yeah. Less <laughs> than 48 so, hours. Yeah. Yeah. Day two. And it surprised me too. The, the guy went out, you know, when, when I seen him and we were all leaving, you know, this guy rolls in and, and he's, you know, retired Marine and uh, his, his Marine get up. I'm like, that's a bad cat right there. He's going to, and he's an older guy, right? And I'm looking at all the older guys because there's only four of us out there. I'm like, that, that guy, that's going to be who I'm going to compete with. And, and yeah, day two, he's, he's on, he's on the boat going home to eat pizza. <laughs> so, um, it, it was funny. We had a, uh, before the premiere came out, they had all 16 contestants was, was on a, a, a group chat uh, video uh, with Netflix. And when this guy popped on, he's sitting outside in the snow and he was outside. He was probably in the weather, cold weather longer on the group chat than he was in Alaska. So that was <laughs> I think the old Marine with that mindset would be yeah. ready to roll. Yeah. I bet you were relieved yeah. when he took off. <laughs> well, you know, it's the old guys got to hang together. You know, Brian was, I think Brian was, the, uh, besides me, he was an ex-Soldis guy and, and he, he's a, he's a class act, you know, and he hung in there for a few weeks. Uh, I, yeah, I, I was, I was carrying the load for all the old men on the show for sure. Um, it, it was, ex, it was definitely, you know, exciting. I think we had, um, I think we had a total within one week, we had four or five people out uh, with, with less than a week. Um, but the, the first seven days was probably the worst. It, it rained nonstop 24 seven for seven straight days. And all you had was a tarp and a wool blanket. That was mm -hmm. it. So there was no sleeping bags or anything like that. And, some teams didn't even get a fire going for the first week, so you can imagine how miserable it must have been. Yeah, that's terrible. So when when y'all yeah. are roughing it 
and uh, you're laying there smoking meat for 12 hours and getting rained on, are the camera guys just sitting there with like a cliff bar, <laughs> like smacking in your ear? <laughs> yeah, you know, like I said, those guys leave. Man. So, you know, the mornings, you know, everybody leaves an hour and a half, two hours before dark because it's a two-hour trip back to their boat. And then, then from there, they go into wherever they're staying at. So you're on a mic all night long and all day. And so every 12 hours, they change that mic out. So in the mornings, the sound guy would come in and he's changing your stuff out. And he's literally face-to-face with this guy. And you can smell the coffee and the eggs in his beard. And you just want to chew on his beard for a while. <laughs> it's, it's, you're starved to death, man. And then at lunchtime, you know, you got the camera crews there and there's a producer there uh, also. And it's their lunchtime. And you've not, you've ate one slice of fish in the last two weeks. And I'm talking about a small piece. And they're back somewhere in the tent. You can hear soda cans opening and hear, you know, these cliff bars opening up. And you can, sometimes you could smell what they were eating. It was not easy, guys. That would be the hardest part. I think Truly. that would, what would be almost <laughs> yeah. breaking me. Cause it's not like you're just like, if we were just out there all roughing it together, but then there's some outside force almost that's that's got all the those the the uh, what the um, the devils yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah the devils devil on your shoulder yeah, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> right. I'd be in yeah, changing my mic out hey buddy hook me up with yeah. a cliff bar here's a thousand dollars look that, there was uh there was one time I, I tried to make a deal with uh, like I said at night they had bear guards would come in. <clears throat> And uh, there was a uh, piece of rope came in that had the floats on it. Those floats were like seven bucks a piece used. And I think I think I added up with rope and floats. I had like a thousand bucks worth of equipment had floated in. I'm like, dude, all of that could be yours for one snicker bar. He was so afraid of losing his job. But man, I just snuck that. I gave him that rope in a heartbeat. You know? <laughs> uh, I, noticed on his, I noticed on his Facebook like a month after the show, he held a picture up of that rope with those. Th- he got it anyways. I'm still waiting on my Snicker ball. Yeah, you, Dad, <laughs> you right. You need a you need a 12 pack of Snickers now. <laughs> That's pretty yeah, funny. I, I I tell you though, man. You know, you're. This is going to sound cliche or weird, but but it's it's such a cleansing, uh, it's such a detox of the mind and the spirit and in in the body when you go out there and and you're only eating what you find or what you catch, which is very little. Uh, all of your senses are, and it's so quiet. You you know you don't hear the buzzing of airplanes and and horns, and it's it's literally it's it's you just you're just quiet, and your senses are on a, on a whole new level. Smell, taste, uh, sight. You, you you notice every little movement, every little noise. Like I can't unless you do it, I can't explain it to you. But I, I think everyone needs to experience that uh, in their life. Just get away for a month and just just disconnect from from the world, and and it's. It's such a, a spiritual cleansing, uh, and, and it's—I would do it again tomorrow for sure. It, it's so funny that you say that, Paul, because I've done some of these extreme mountain hunts where you've got everything that you're going to have. Now, it's not a—it's not quote unquote a survival experience. You know, you've got <clears throat> ten days of food, and and you know you you've got stuff to make fire, and you've got a tent and a warm sleeping bag, and the right clothing. But but you're going into like. Kevin and I did one in the Munsur Mountains in, in Turkey on the Syria border. Um, you know, I've been to Kyrgyzstan and some of those mountains, you know, up in the Wrangell Mountains in Alaska. And and you were absolutely right, man. It, what, what it did to me is when you're up there and you're looking, you know, I, I don't know how far you can see across the horizon, but just say 20 miles across a mountain horizon, 
and how long it would it, it, what it did did to me was first of all is it, it really humbles you that you are not that important <laughs> you, that's right and, and how small as individuals we really are um yeah, yeah. it's amazing it, it and you know again everyone needs to experience that just to just to put themselves in perspective of where we are and and you're right i, I can remember one of my best memories is i we had, we had um, you know, when I was on Charlie, which is my last team, we had goals every morning. We'd want to cut X amount of wood per person. And, of course, that kept us warm to the day and it gave us a job to do and kept our minds busy. But when it would rain to just lay flat and look up through the pines and watch the sunshine and the rain just drop through those pines and just hear nothing but that rain pattern around you. And it's, it's, it's to me, it's romantic. Like, I mean, it there's – that's one of the greatest memories I have outside, you know, the, the birth of my children and things of that nature, but just being able to connect with nature on a whole different level where you really feel like part of it. Um, it's probably as close as I, it's definitely as close as I'll ever be to, to knowing, to feeling what it was like to live in a, it. And it's not even, I can't even imagine what it was like to live before any of this. You know what I mean? When, when, when you had the, you know, the Indians and, 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 and the Alaskans were just, living on their own knowledge, man. I mean, what a time that had to be. I, I'd love to, try to see what that was like. Yeah, that's amazing. It, it, you know, we, we found some of those arrowheads or we're in, in Craig's spot there looking for some of those arrowheads on that river, on those bluffs and stuff. And it, it is, it, it's fascinating. And, and how much of society, include, I, I'm as guilty as anybody, you know, that's so reliant on technology and, and my, my phone or Uber or, you know, we, we just left uh, – you know, Nashville and it was Uber here and eat a steak there and, you know, just yeah. pay with a credit card here. And man, if electro, if electricity or electronics goes crazy at some point, man, it's going to be, it's going to be eye opening. Life's so convenient right now, you know, and, and, and any minor inconvenience is, is so over-exaggerated to us. Um, it, the, what those 42 days did for me was stripped all that away and and it really brought stuff back to perspective so imagine you know you're going out there with nothing and that's exactly what you have yeah you're, you're right we're, we're so spoiled uh, and excited we're, we're lucky right we're living a great time um but it could you know it could all be a big reset uh, at any time so we should you know we should be prepared for that yeah, I'm, no. and i'm not one of those doomsday guy either but yeah you're right yeah just just some real life skills um that's that's something you know guys are listening i'm sure there's a lot of you that listen that already have this but anybody want to comment on like a, a survival course you know or something like that or, or paul you may know of one that guys could could sign up for or something like that something you'd recommend we'll just go hang out yeah with there's a couple of there's a couple of good ones you know the guys from alone uh i talked to uh alan pay you know he's season one winner of alone uh he does a lot of uh survival courses uh, for not only the public, but for military. So he's a real good guy to a resource to reach out to. Uh, Jordan Jonas, I think he won season six or seven of the loan. I've talked to him. He does a few courses. Like there's a, there's a lot of good resources out there, you know, that that's, that's readily attainable. You know, just reach out to these guys. Um, and, and they're the real deal, you know, and, and I, I recommend everyone, you know, take a few of these courses. If it's just a week course when, you know, you and the family, you'll, you'll learn enough that it'd be definitely worth it. Yeah. All right. Let's go back. Let, let's close out with some bow hunting stuff. Circle back around. Cause I know we kind of went way out of our purview here, but this is awesome. <laughs> yeah. And I, I know we're going to get a ton of comments about how neat this was. 
Um, I got one more. Yeah, yeah. Far one away, more sorry. about the show, real quick, Paul. When, when yeah, we got back to civilization, did they like limit you on your food, or told you to? Cause you went from like barely eating anything to probably being able to eat whatever you want. Did did they tell you to take it easy, or were y'all just going yeah? Wild? <laughs> they did. You know, they said, "Hey, look, you go slow, and, and we've got food uh, in your room. Just." ease into that so you go in there's a few bottles of water and then there's prunes and dates and you know there's they want you to ease into that and and um so after you take your clothes off and get rid of those things can you imagine wearing the same outfit for 42 days um <laughs> hit your shower and you turn into that table there's also a restaurant like 50 feet away from your room so i think i ate one box of prunes and then went and ordered a double cheeseburger with eggs and, bacon <laughs> and, and two beers <laughs> right into it didn't you <laughs> man we tore that up yeah no we wasn't eating that stuff yeah we went right at it <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome <laughs> let's circle that, back to bow hunting. yeah 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 sure uh, bow hunting tell tell us a little bit we, we do this with every guest that that we have on Walk us through, you know, you've killed a ton of deer with, with compounds, and that's what most of the guys that we, we hunt with, you know, or, or, or followers of the show are compounds guys. Walk us through your equipment and kind of your style, if you will, and then, then we'll wrap this thing up. Yeah, sure. Um, I do. I, I hike in a long way into public lands, and, and uh, so I, I kind of pack a lot. You know, I'll have a backpack full of little Debbies, <laughs> uh, you know, and um, I, I have to move a lot on, on uh, like if I'm hunting Ohio or, or even, uh, you know, out in Western Kentucky. I'll, I, right now I'm using, a, you know, a climbing stand um, so that I can, you know, just the wind changes uh, for whatever reason. And I'm back in there a couple of miles. Uh, I, I can move quick. Um, I, I'm shooting a, uh, yesterday I was shooting a Bowtech. I've been a Bowtech fan forever, but today I went and bought the, uh, um, was it the Z7 or, or the X7 rather from Hoyt. Um, I think it's what it's called. The RX7, so, the carbon fiber RX7. one. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I, I, went and, uh, I went and picked that out today and, and uh, the guy's putting all the equipment on it now, getting my new sights and stuff. I've, I've got a lot of, you know, hunts coming up. I've got an Idaho hunt with some chasing some elk up there. So I'm expecting some long range stuff. Um, so yeah, I just stayed a lot on my feet, man. You, you know, um, <clears throat> climbing stand. Um, and, um, that's about it. What, what are you a mechanical broadhead or a fixed blade? Oh, guy? No, <laughs> no it, and I hope I don't get a lot of hate from this, but you know, my, my dad, uh, runs a uh, deer recovery, uh, in, in Kentucky. He, he has a couple of hounds that he recovers a lot of deer, and I would say 95% of the deer that my dad has to go recover uh, or that he doesn't recover from that is, is from, you know, from mechanical blade. I'm a fixed blade man. Um, I need to catch up with times. You know how old timers are. And I got something that's not, you know, it's not broke. They don't fix it. And, and I've been shooting a, uh, is it okay to say the product name? Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. I've been shooting Thunderheads. Uh, do you remember the Razorback Fives? Oh, 100%. Way back in the day? Yeah. Yeah. So I was shooting a Razorback five, you know, it had that little spinning ferrule and it had like it had five blades and like a seven eighth inch cut, I believe. Yeah. And um, then it then it went to the Thunderheads. It, I stayed with them because they they fly true and you could buy them at gas stations. Like everybody had those things. And uh, so I would just buy all these blades and they and they done great, but now they're harder and harder to find. So uh, I'm definitely a cut on the impact type man. I'm I'm a believer in those for sure. Gotcha. Well, that's cool, man. Well, 
Let me ask you, you know, tell everybody how to get hold of you, your, your Instagram, you know, you've got a podcast out to tell everybody that's listening, how they can follow along with what you got going. Cause I know you got a ton of social media content coming and you're going to be doing a bunch in the whitetail space. How does everybody follow along with you? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram on priest PJ. Uh, and then for, you know, our podcast, you can look at Paul priest on YouTube. It's called between the horns podcast. We'll, we'll hit the other formats. Um, you know, in, in the next little bit, we really, I'm new to this. So I'm really wanting to get it uh, pretty smooth before I transition out of the show and into hunting, because that's where it's going to. We're, we're going to focus on, you know, a lot of outdoor personalities, um, be it game wardens, big game hunters, whatever, whatever it is, we're going to cover it on the broad spectrum. Um, and then also I've got a couple of, of big hunts coming up. Uh, we're going to document, like, you know, like we talked about earlier, you know, uh, my 180 quest and <laughs> hopefully yeah. we can check that off and move up to the 200 after, but <clears throat> that's quite a ways out, I believe. Um, you know, I've, I've got, um, so you can find me there. Um, we're hoping to, uh, well, as this moves along, we hit the other formats, uh, we'll, we'll also be changing our, our Instagram out, um, to, for more for the bow hunting part of it but for now you can find me on instagram at priest pj and then between the hordes podcast on youtube awesome anything kev yeah one more question paul yeah you get to go on all these consulting trips with bobby (laughs) what is one or two of the the biggest things that you've picked up from him that was like a eye opener like a like changing the game for you yeah, man, there's so many. Uh, one of the things that, and I think Bobby's fine with me telling us, is just how you can <clears throat> put the deer where you want them, right? I mean, I've, I've, I've known I can move a few things around, but, but being able to narrow, narrow those down and finding those proper pinch points, you know, um, um, where I think w- would be, you know, the correct place. If I'd win another hundred yards, I would see we could take 15 trails or five trails, whatever it may be, down to two trails and then push those two trails down to one. Uh, so being able to manipulate the deer, push them to the funnel that you're looking for was probably the biggest thing. Um, <clears throat> and then the next thing, um, and I, you know, I, I've always, I've hunted a lot of funnels and a lot of scrape lines, uh, and I've put down a few scrapes, but to, to really understand the significance of them and, and of, uh, deer language, if you will, like I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm getting it now at a collegiate level, you know, before I thought I knew what I was talking about, but just. Just learning from from him, just the deer language, if you will, has been a huge eye opener for me. Yes, it's incredible. And 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 he actually called me, um, or, or not to call me, he texted me, and and um, we, we're gonna do another podcast with him. He said he's gonna do maybe two more. He's gonna do one with you and and one mm-hmm. with Mission Whitetail, and then that's gonna probably wrap up his podcast days, is what he what he told me. Man, that, that'd be awesome. It. Uh, I hate to hear that. <laughs> I wish he would just keep going, and going, and going. You know, everybody. Yep. Uh, yeah, he's got so much to, to teach for sure. He does. Well, Paul, man, thank you so much, buddy. Really appreciate it. We'll get you back on soon. And um, anything we can do to help you pr- promote what you're doing or, or anything you need us to do or help with, we're, we're always here to help any way we can. And thank you so much. And congratulations again on winning and, and good luck with the quest, buddy. We're pulling for you. Guys, thanks so much. I appreciate you having me on. Yes, sir. Thank you, Paul. All right, have a good evening.